Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Duck Pod. I'm Ryan Thorburn, joined by Austin Meek. Austin, it is fall camp eve in the college football world. The Oregon Ducks begin practice on Friday. The Mario Cristobal era is officially underway. I guess technically it's already underway with um, the Las Vegas Bowl and all that stuff. But uh, for real, his first full season is here we go. Um, Are you looking forward to, to covering this team? I am looking forward to covering this team. I don't know if I'd say I'm looking forward to covering fall camp. Uh, <laughs> fall camp is a grind, and not just for the players. Um, as as you know, I, as the primary beat writer, you're there pretty much every day. Um, I I get to just skate in uh, occasionally, but uh, it is a grind, and it tends to feel like uh, a long buildup for the season partly because the buildup starts in July with media day. Uh, but the, you know, the first day of fall camp is, um, it's kind of symbolic and, you know, you, you sort of, um, you sort of start to now have some, uh, start to have some substance to put with all the, all the stuff we've been talking about and speculating about, um, and all the, you know, all the intrigue that flies around in the summer. Now, now we start to put some things on paper, uh, and actually, actually see how some of these things shake out. My all-time favorite quote, or one of them from covering this sport, was from Clinton Portis, a guy that Mario knows pretty well. When he was a young player with the Denver Broncos, it was, camp do suck, it really do. <laughs> We hung that up in the media room at the Broncos facility because it was so good, and and it does. I mean, camp has changed. It doesn't suck as much, but um, it's still hot in most places, not as much in Eugene as Alabama or places like that, but, you know, it's a grind. These guys have three weeks of, you know, hardcore preparation to get ready for 12 weeks of football, and Um, There's a lot of physical strain, mental strain, but um, this is what these guys love. It's what they signed up for, and, uh, you know, it's what I think our readers are primarily interested in. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to telling as many of these stories as we can squeeze in with the media limitations and and all that stuff. But uh, it's definitely a fun team to be around just the energy that Mario brings you know whether you know I kind of scoff at some of the Twitter stuff with the strength department but at the same time it is real there is a vibe out there that um, that I think started with Willie Taggart but you can feel that these coaches and players are, are pretty excited about what's um, going to happen this year and in the future with Oregon. It's going to be Camp Mario. That's what I'm calling it. And I'm curious to see if it's noticeably different than it's been in the past, if if there's a different vibe or a different feel around camp uh, with Mario Cristobal in charge. 
you know, coaches, I think, always try to do some different things to break up the monotony of it. So I'll be curious to see what Mario Cristobal brings to it from that aspect. And we'll get a look at it fairly early because uh, this year, you know, typically in the past, Oregon has had its its fan day towards the end of camp. Um, this year, it's right at the beginning, uh, the second day of camp. It's going to be open uh, open to the fans. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be curious what all we see. Do they still have the uh, like that acclimation period where you, you can't be in full pads for a couple days? So I don't know. I don't know how much uh, full, full contact 11 on 11 is going to be happening the second day of camp. But uh, at least it'll be a little bit of a window into how Mario Cristobal is going to run the show and maybe be able to get uh, a preliminary idea of where guys are at on the depth chart and who's running with the first team and second team, et cetera. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they won't be in full pads or anything like that because it's only the second practice. But, you know, they can't waste any practices. So I think fans are going to get a good look at, you know, the uh, original pecking order going into the season. Now they're going to be welcoming a lot of freshmen who are going to factor in, and, and we can talk about the redshirt rule and, and what Mario thinks about that. But, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, familiar faces with the first team and and some uh, very talented guys you know, on the third and fourth teams that just are only in their second practice, and that's why they are where they are in the pecking order. So, uh, yeah, fan days on Saturday for season ticket holders. Um, Friday is the first practice, and then media day is on Sunday. So uh, no rest for the weary, no days off for the beat writers. Well, I have in my hot little hands here the uh, the updated roster that's got a lot of the freshmen on it. Just looking down, looking up and down this list, Mario said today in his, his press conference that uh, there are some newcomers on this team that are, are going to be very important. Who do you think are... Um, a couple freshmen on this list, or maybe a couple guys that don't have to be freshmen even. Um, there's some graduate transfers that are that are on this list too. Uh, but who are some of the newcomers that you think we ought to keep an eye on in camp that could end up playing some pretty significant roles? Well, last time I, I checked, the Oregon has a, a pretty good starting quarterback. So I've heard of that guy. I think they're going to want to throw the ball. Um, they have their starting receivers back, you know, Brendan Schooler, Johnny Johnson, Dylan Mitchell. They, they really like them. But there's not a lot of depth there. Uh, Mario announced today, Thursday, at his uh, news conference that Jalen Hall, a, a top 100 recruit at wide receiver who I believe was in town for one day for one spring practice and went home, he's not going to be on the roster to start camp. Um, he's dealing with personal issues. So um, I think Tabari Hines from Wake Forest, a graduate transfer who was you know, pretty productive in the ACC is a guy that you figure is going to be one of the the top receivers on the team. So there's one for you, Tabari Hines, graduate transfer, Wake Forest. Um, he has minor knee surgery recently and, and will be limited at the start of camp. But Mario said, you know, by game one, he'll be ready to play. By game three, he'll really be full go. So at some point during Pac-12 season, Tabari Hines is going to have to make some nice uh, plays for the Ducks to win a game maybe. Yeah. Mario also mentioned today uh, Kano Dillon, the tight end grad transfer from South Florida, Willie Taggart's old school. Uh, 6'5", he's listed at 256 on this roster, although I think Mario said he was like 270-something. 
you know, guy to keep an eye on, uh, potentially a tight end. Uh, Dallas Mormack, the Alabama transfer on the offensive line. You know, that offensive line looks like it's it's pretty set. You know, they they have a lot of um, they have a lot of big young offensive linemen uh, that are are joining the team. But it seems like um, those guys are probably going to be. Uh, probably going to be taking a year or two to apprentice under the group they've got coming back but does that offensive line look to you like one of the more established positions on the team one of the more experienced positions one of the best positions and certainly one of the deepest positions when you talk about essentially five guys with significant starting experience are all back now obviously they lose Tyrell Crosby who was a terrific college football player uh, a really good left tackle Uh, you minute mentioned Dallas Warmack. I'm just curious where he fits in with that experienced group and you know as an Alabama guy obviously he's looking for more playing time at Oregon than he was getting at Alabama. Where does he fit in? Uh, Panay Sewell you know their top rated recruit is a big offensive lineman from Utah. Um, will he maybe compete for a starting spot at, at uh, guard opposite um, you know who, who am I thinking of? Well, we got uh, Throckmorton's back. We yeah. got uh, Aiello is back. Uh, Lemieux. Shane Lemieux. Yeah. yeah, Shane Lemieux. Those guys all have played played quite a bit. So the the guard spot opposite opposite Lemieux, I see. You know, Sewell maybe competing there for you know possible starting position. So really a deep group. Um, they've redshirted a lot of guys from last year, and as you mentioned, the true freshmen that are in here are definitely big enough to play right now. Um, 382, 375, uh, 360, 375. I mean, I, yeah, you don't see, you don't see those numbers, uh, for freshman offensive linemen very often. Yeah. Rob Mullins might have to adjust the, uh, the, the budget for the cafeteria this year, I'm guessing. (laughs) Or buy some new scales. Um, defensive line is an issue. In terms of yeah. the depth, I mean, okay. they love the starters, Jordan Scott, uh, Jalen Jelks. You know, I think Jim Levitt's got some really nice pieces, but um, where's the depth going to come from on the defensive line? Uh, I think that'll be an, an interesting storyline during fall camp. Um, DJ Johnson, uh, defensive ends or outside linebacker possibly from Miami transfer. He was hoping to, to get cleared by the NCAA and not have to sit out because um, he's moved from Miami closer to home in California for family reasons. So he was not cleared. He'll have to sit out. So there's definitely an opportunity for some, maybe even some true freshmen like we saw last year uh, to get in that rotation. Um, but, I mean, I really like their starting front seven. It's just a matter of, you know, who are the backups. Yeah, I'm looking at this right now. Uh... Austin Fialu had a nice freshman season. I think you'd expect him to take a step forward. His uh, brother is a freshman here now. Yeah, Andrew. Uh, same mold. Yeah. Uh, Gary Baker uh, is a guy who I, I don't recall him making a big impression in any uh, any games that I've watched, but he, he's a name that we've heard uh, from time to time. Maybe, you know, maybe he's somebody who's poised uh, poised to have a breakout year. Gus Cumberlander. Um, so they've got some guys that have been around, uh, but just kind of looking for uh, looking for some some guys to emerge, maybe as backups, and that's probably true. Uh, would you say in the secondary too? You know, the the secondary they've they've got. 
guy like Ugo Amadi coming back who's played a lot of ball. Thomas Graham as a cornerback was really good as a freshman. Uh, but maybe once you get past the top two or three or four, there's not um, not a lot of established depth there. Yeah, I mean, we've been waiting for Brady Breeze to kind of emerge for this will be... Uh, what is he, a redshirt sophomore? I think his freshman year, he was doing really well in camp, ended up getting hurt, and his roommate, Brendan Schooler, ends up starting as a true freshman. Uh, last year, kind of nicked up coming out of camp and didn't really you know, have the breakout season. But during spring practice, I mean, almost every practice he was intercepting a pass, even Justin Herbert passes. So uh, Brady Breeze, we love how he talks the talk. He's a tremendous quote. Um, hopefully he can walk the walk and be a, a big-time player for Oregon. He got his appendix out, so he'll be about two pounds lighter, a little faster maybe. Um, well, I guess running back, Tony Brooks-James, um, everybody's expecting him to be kind of the featured running back. Uh, he's bulked up a little bit. I saw him at the Saturday Night Live camp last week. He was out there working with the high school players and, yeah, he looks looks like he's uh, bulked up a little bit. He's filling the sleeves, as they say. Uh, but I don't I don't think anybody's expecting that he's going to be like Royce Freeman level, uh, you know, workhorse type running back necessarily. Uh, so um, wh- who do we think is next in line uh, when when Tony Brooks James is not in the game to get the carries? Well, it doesn't matter what I think. It's what people around it think. And Justin Herbert mentioned that he believes it's going to be C.J. Verdell. He mentioned that he has a lot of confidence in Tony Brooks James and C.J. Verdell and and that he thinks they can carry the load. That's from Pac-12 Media Day last week. Um, They have a number of other guys competing there, a lot of freshmen, redshirt freshmen. Um, Darian Felix is interesting because, you know, he – Got some carries last year for Willie. Uh, he's a Florida guy and seems like a talented guy. I, I would count him in the mix if he's healthy. He certainly looks the part. Taj Griffin is another guy who was a big name recruit when he signed here, a Mark Helfrich recruit, uh, has had injuries during his career, has never really lived up to the the potential that was put on him just because of where he was at in the recruiting rankings he's a senior now be really interested to see um is there a breakout year for him is that you know does he still have that potential uh he's he's played in some different places he's played running back he's played in the slot um Oregon's going to need somebody in the slot. You know, Charles Nelson is gone. Uh, did they plug him in there? He's he's a versatile guy. They can use him in some different places. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, does he, as a senior, uh, have a leg up on some of these younger guys, like you mentioned, Verdell, a couple redshirt freshmen. You know, does he get passed up by some of those young guys, or does his experience give him the leg up to um, – to be in there after Tony uh, Brooks James getting some of those carries. Yeah, how nice is it to have a forgotten man as talented as Taj Griffin? Now, they list him as 
uh, a running back. Um, the Portland scrimmage during the spring, he looked really good. You know, had some really physical runs um, for a guy that size, which is kind of what Mario's looking for. Um, but I kind of see him as a Charles Nelson type. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Charles is a guy they, they need to replace, as you mentioned, in the slot. So I'm interested to see. Um, maybe we'll find out Friday and Saturday. Where is Taj lining up? Is it competing to be Tony Brooks James' backup, or uh, do they have some packages where you know he's uh, more of a Charles Nelson slot guy? So uh, he can do both. I mean, you don't have to choose, but yeah, I, I think he'll have an impact one way or the other. Yeah, well, they have some options, and the next few weeks are all about just putting the pieces together, figuring out who can do what, who fits where, putting some different packages together. It'll be interesting to see how all that develops. We'll have plenty of coverage ongoing every day out of fall camp, which gets going tomorrow on Friday. So thanks for checking out the podcast. Um, Check out the website for all the latest coverage, and we'll be back next week to talk about it. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Duck Pod. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. 